Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In today's episode of the Pooch Parenting Podcast, I interview parenting coach Mel Pierce. The timing could not have been better because I have been finding myself losing patience with my son who just turned 20 years old, and Mel talks with us a lot about parenting from a more neutral place. This does impact the family dog quite a lot, so whether you are a parent or you're a dog professional working with families who have kids, Mel's podcast episode here today will help us to coach you and your clients through tricky situations when our feelings might be running a little bit hot. And at the end of the day, this will help keep both of our dogs and our kids feeling safe and successful together. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Mel. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me today. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So Mel is a parenting coach, and I have brought her here to talk to us today about strategies to help keep whole families safe and feeling good about the process in which they do so. Mel, can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. I am a certified professional coach, parenting mentor. I am also a longtime working wife. I'm a mom to two now adult kids. I say adult, almost 19 and 21. And Oh, <laughs> how about that? And an 11 year old rescue named Willie, who, and I always say like, I would like to come back as Willie because Willie's life is good. He thinks everyone loves him and everyone has treats for him all the time. I'm like how do I think walk around just thinking everyone loves you all the time? What a life that would be. So I have a passion for honestly helping families and parents. I myself was a, I mentioned a long time working mom. I had my own company for many years. I ran a staffing company. And so that meant it was high growth, very fast paced. And that was a life of stress, overwhelm, frustration, guilt for most of my children's young years. And I eventually hired a coach to help me get over the stress and overwhelm. And in the process found that I wanted to be doing what the coach was doing. And so I also didn't realize how much it affected me as a parent until my daughter commented that things were different at home. And when I asked her what had changed, she looked me right in the eye and she said, you did, mom. So eventually that calling became so great that I couldn't ignore it anymore. So I separated from my businesses and my partners. I went back and got my professional coaching certification and I am just, I really am on a mission to help families. I know that I change things for my family. I change things for my future generation. My relationship with my kids improved exponentially. We have more peace in our home. Like it just night and day difference. And I really want this for everyone. So my ultimate mission is honestly to grow a new emotionally healthy foundation from the ground up. And I believe it can start with us as parents. It's funny, everything you just described is how I feel about dog families. So I know 
how valuable having a, a positive relationship with your children and your dog can be. And I also know on the flip side, how dangerous and scary and terrifying and stressful it can be when there isn't a lot of trust. There's not a lot of consistency. And when family members are not on the same page in terms of communication of, you know, maybe management strategies and one person maybe undermines the other or even accidentally forgets to latch all the safety mechanisms you have in place. And so you get a lot of stress in these families because I love my dog. I love my children. How do I love them simultaneously when it feels like chaos is happening all around? Right. Yeah. So yeah, please. So one of the pieces that in terms of looking at that situation and is a something I talk about with parents in that you can, a lot of times we think things happen randomly and we are, you know, you look at your kids and, and it's all over the board. And, but I said, eventually, if you sit down and you start to really break it down, you start to see the patterns. So I always tell them, start to look for the patterns. And when you look for the patterns up front, then you can proactively prepare for them. And so it just is bringing more awareness to it and knowing upfront. So for example, I mean, on the parenting side, I'll talk to parents that, you know, they their kids have a meltdown when they're picking them up at the end of daycare and getting them back home, the kids always melt down. I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's going to happen. So can you have a box of snacks in the car ready for them? Can you have their favorite song keyed up and ready to play, right? That's just an example, but it's preparing in advance. So the mm -hmm. same thing with your pets and your kids. Like, when is it that things seem to get most riled? When is it, what are the situations? Can you identify them in advance and come up with a plan? So let's, let's elaborate on that. I would love okay. for you to help with, a, let's come up with a hypothetical plan mm -hmm. um, for, I'm going to give you a choice. You get to pick okay. um, times that I see are really difficult for my clients and for, you know, everybody that I work with are either family meal times or the morning routine where people are trying to get up and get out the door, whether that's to get to school, whether it's to get to daycare, whether it's the parents getting ready to go to work. Those are two times of day when families with dogs, and I'm sure all families actually are experiencing some turmoil. So mm -hmm. if you could give us, walk us through an example of a pattern or a, a proactive strategy that we can do to try to make those times simpler, then I can always throw in some dog stuff, but I, and you had a dog when your kids were little, cause your kids mm -hmm. and my kids are just about the same ages. Right. If there's anything from your own life that you could share in the, either of those two circumstances that might be helpful. Sure. So I will go like in terms of the morning routine. Okay. Yep. First, and honestly, the very first thing I do is tell the parents, like, how are you showing up yourself? Okay. How are you feeling? How you feel will affect what you do. Your feelings affect all of your actions. So if you yourself are anxious, okay. I, and I said, I can almost always tell you, here's what parents do when they're anxious. They are short-tempered. They're reactive. They might become command and demand. Like they're just, they're all focused. They're in their head. They're not, they're sporadic and, and, you know, 
here it's hit or miss just trying to handle whatever comes so that's the piece when you're in anxiety yourself you can't be effective and so i always say check yourself first and knowing that i have a process i call it let's just and honestly but at the same time when all that stuff is going on you can't immediately instantly become calm either that doesn't work that way so i tell parents i'm like just get to neutral okay and that happens where you just pause you add some space put your hand on your heart take a deep breath okay when you do that actually one the breath regulates your autonomic nervous system so it helps calm you down when you put your hand on your heart you're releasing dopamine so it's another way or no sorry dopamine is a different part it's um oxytocin mm -hmm. the hand on the heart is oxytocin which is another way to help calm you down mm -hmm. okay so you just do that and then you choose a different thought so i try to have parents prepare a thought ahead of time smart okay so yeah. the thought may be like okay i've got this this morning everything's gonna go smoothly and whatever comes up i can handle it do you see how that feels differently Okay, yeah. so I tell them, I'm like, just write them down, put them on sticky notes right over where the shoes are, like right above the sink, like, no, no, I've got this, today's going to be a good day. Okay, mm -hmm. and so when you're having those thoughts, you can stay calm. Yeah. And you can remain more effective than if you're stuck in anxiety. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of that first step is like, and painting the picture ahead of time with your kids too, like, okay, you know what, and even at night, tomorrow morning, tomorrow's going to be awesome. We're going to wake up and everyone's going to be happy and we're going to handle it. We're going to, everything's going to go smoothly. When you're preparing in advance, you're kind of setting the expectation and it helps your kids kind of see it. And when they start to see, they can't tell the difference. Our brains can't tell the difference between real and imagined. So when we imagine how it's going to go ahead of time, that helps it go that much better when we're actually there. That's amazing. Yeah, so those are just a couple things like, okay, and and at night, even asking yourself, like everyone has a different routine, but when you ask yourself, okay, what can I do to prepare better for the morning? How can I, so I instead of my saying what routine works best for you, you ask yourself, like, what's going to be the best routine for us to get out of the door smoothly in the morning? Mm -hmm. What's the best way that I can handle this? Make lunches the night before. Oh, yeah, Trust exactly. me. <laughs> You know, the lunches, the water bottles, have the shoes out, have the kids pick out their clothes the night before, like all these different things to help prepare and be proactive in advance is helpful. But you may also find up your your child, my daughter never wanted to wear what she picked out the day before, ever. Yeah. So it was kind of like, and in my head, like at the time you'd be like, well, we're going to be late. That was not a helpful thought. <laughs> That made the anxiety come up. So I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. I can handle this. We have plenty of time. And honestly, for a few minutes late, it's not the end of the world. Right. Those thoughts kept me more calm and able to handle whatever came, you know, whatever comes up. So that's where I'm just saying, like, just recognize what your thoughts are creating for you. Because thoughts like, I, we're going to be late. I can't handle this. Da, da, da. Like, that's going to keep you up here. So deep breath, yeah. hand on the heart. Okay. I like that. That resonates with me because I feel the tension bubbling 
when I feel like, all right, come on, I'm in a rush. And it actually just happened to me the other night with my son, by the way, he just turned 20 years old. He is in a community college up we're in Oregon right now. And he, um, he's in the community college in the town where I am at the moment. It's not where I live all the time. And he's staying in the dorms over the summer and has an internship at a hotel. And (laughs) I was, I had a schedule and I wanted to, I had to finish a client call. Then we were going to go into town grab a dinner and I was going to bring him back to his dorm because he started his job the next day. And what was happening is we had this contagious anxiety because he started to spiral because he was really nervous about his job the next day starting. And then I was spiraling because he was not being respectful of the timeline. He has ADHD, so it's no surprise. Timelines for him are impossible anyway. And my expectations of how things were going to go, he still had his suitcase looks, looked like it had exploded. He hadn't put anything away yet. He had stuff all over the house that he had to pack up so that we could leave. And I was, I was snapping. What was the expression you used about the reacting and Oh, um, command and demand. Yes. I was like, I was that. And he was like, mom, you're getting really stressed. And I'm like, I know, and I'm sorry, but you know, and I, I didn't in that moment, I wasn't able to really, um, cope very well. And then I was not proud of myself. So then it was this consequence of, I wish I could do better. I'm not my best self right now. And then there's shame, right? Then there's like right. this shame spiral that happens because, you want to be better. I mean, he's 20 years old. You would think that I'd have some of this figured out by now, right? We all have our moments. We're human. (laughs) Yeah. Right. We all do. I know it can be hard. And then, you know, and then of course, you know, all of my people have dogs added to the mix. So Mm -hmm. not only then are you trying to get yourself sorted, but you're also thinking, okay, did the dog go to the bathroom? Has the dog eaten? Do I have poo bags in my purse? You know, all those kinds of things, trying to figure out how to how to add that. So I would just encourage people to add those to the preparation list, your checklist of, okay, have I gotten things ready for the next day and keep your dog in mind for that as well. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's really good. Um, one thing that I like to do just as a quick tip is, is to have things stashed in the freezer for the dog so that it's really convenient to sort of grab and go, um, you know, sort of like how lunch is packed for the kids. You can do the same thing, stock the freezer full of frozen, you know, licky things that the dog can eat in the car or whatever on the way. On the I way. have... I keep the marrow or like I keep a specific type of bone and then we'll put like peanut butter in and freeze it. But I keep those ready for the days that I know I have a call and I need the dog to not bark. (laughs) But isn't that amazing? Because that's you being proactive, right? Yeah. Okay. So we can be proactive. Let's just say that we're doing all the right things and there may be some tension between spouses or between adult family members about sometimes there's ego involved with my way is the best way. And people may have conflict about which way they want to do things. Do you have any tips for parents on how to successfully address some of those topics of how to be more successful in communication together so that we can kind of 
achieve the common goal of harmony in the house? Mm -hmm. So I would start again with recognizing where you are at first. Okay. And, and part of that is when you think, when you're thinking they're not doing anything right. <laughs> okay. Just want you to recognize you start to filter your brain has a filter in it and you'll all you will see literally is everything they're doing wrong you won't even see anything they're doing right. And so, and when you and think of how you feel when you get accused of something. You typically get defensive. Right, and when you get defensive, then you start honestly attacking back it becomes this huge cycle consider defense is the first act of war. So just knowing some of those things ahead of time, like, okay, how can I look at this better and just asking questions like how can I have this communication and it might be coming with curiosity, you know what i'm when you have a question of like okay can we just sit down and talk about this and see if we can come up with a plan together. And why can you explain to me why you think this and i'll tell you why I think that. So when you're curious you stay more open. Mm -hmm. And you're able to have those conversations better than when you've already decided and filtered for everything they're doing wrong. And you just think for some reason, and we do the same thing with our kids. We mm -hmm. think if we explain ourselves enough that they're just going to agree with what we say. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. really funny. I'm like, oh, that sounds really familiar. If I justify it, you'll agree yes. with me. But exactly. that's not necessarily true. No, we do that all the time to our kids and unfortunately, but think about how you feel when someone's trying to justify their opinion and you don't agree with them. You get more and more that wall goes up, you dig your heels in like it just gets worse right. My own mother actually as you're talking i'm like oh that explains why I want to hang up on my own mom half the time when we're on the telephone. Yeah, so that's one of the things that I teach is like how to communicate better with your kids to keep them open. Yeah. And so it's the same thing in dealing with other adults too. Right. No, I think that's really important actually is promoting that and also modeling that, right? Because our children are sponges. And so there, we were just talking about this with some of my group in a group call is that your kids are watching. So in terms of safety, if we do things that we don't want our children to do with the dog, like kiss them on the nose, then they're going to watch us kiss the dog on the nose and they will kiss the dog on the nose, which could result in a bite to the face because they don't understand the dog's subtle body language the way that an adult might. Right. Um, but I also think if you flip on the head, um, you know, modeling certain behaviors for our children, if we can also model calmness during times of stress and good communication with our spouses or our partners, then we're... Yeah they're sponging that too, right? Oh yeah. And that's the whole piece is that for some reason, like our kids do something and then we may get worked up. I mean, we're teaching them when something goes like you didn't expect, this is how you respond. Right. Versus being able to manage your own emotions, be able to communicate what, what is going on and communicate around it and ask questions and understand the other person's point of view and their perspective. That's all things that we want to model. We mm -hmm. want to model, honestly, impulse control. Impulse control is the single biggest predictor of success in life. Yes. And That's, so, yeah, 
Yeah. I think a lot about that with dogs who are unable to control their bodies and our dogs are often behaving in a way that they're genetically pre-programmed to do. So you mentioned that your dog has some livestock guardian breed in them, some great Pyrenees, you said, I think, right? And so your dog may have some tendencies um, that somebody who has a terrier would never see and vice versa, right? Or you may get the border collie who wants to herd the children around the house or who gets overly aroused when the kids are running in the backyard because their, their whole being is, has been created to control physical chaos, right? And to keep all of the herd together. And so when you have a birthday party and all the kids are running around playing tag, I mean, you're setting that dog up to have a really difficult time um, with its own emotional regulation, right? right? And impulse control is an unreasonable expectation at that point. And so then we would maybe try to use management to prevent poor behavior. Right. And it's the same, honestly, same thing with kids. And I tell parents this all the time. I said, listen, your children are born with their, the primal brain is fully developed at birth. That's our survival instinct. The prefrontal cortex, which is the part that controls emotions and logical thinking and problem solving skills and all of that is completely under construction when they're little. And actually it doesn't get fully developed until they're 25. So a lot of times when we are thinking our kids are choosing to do certain things and they won't behave, they actually physiologically can't. Uh And so if you know that and just start like, okay, these are skills that they're building and like, how can we help them? And part of a lot of it actually is how do we model that ourselves? Uh I had a client who told me her son is eight and he said to her, he's like, oh, mom, eight-year-olds notice everything. (laughs) That's really funny. I think um, that parents can have unreasonable expectations sometimes of children based on age development, but also their appearance. So for example, your client with the eight-year-old, he may be heads and shoulders taller over other eight-year-olds. And therefore that parent might expect that emotionally, developmentally, he is ahead of those kids. Because, you know, like, for example, I have a friend whose son is in middle school and he looks like a man child, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard for her to not treat him like a young man because he looks like a young man, but he's still very much a 12 or 13 year old, right? So he's not there yet. And so we can, I think the same thing can be true with, with families who have toddlers, right? We're so used to them not being able to follow any directions that when they, can start to follow simple sequences of instructions, we may ask and expect too much of them when really developmentally, they can still just follow a one-step instruction or a two-step and that is it. We can't expect them to follow a whole sequence. Do you find that expectations are a challenge with some of your clients as well? It is, It yes. And from a couple different, honestly, expectations in general, So, because the more expectations we have for our kids, for our partners or spouses, for our pets, right? And then they don't meet them. We think there's a problem and then we react. Hmm. But when we can just come up with like, okay, that's not a problem. 
like and and we're not expecting people pets to be certain ways and and we can just be more open mm -hmm. to accepting them for who they are actually finding out who they are finding out what they think finding out their perspective and staying more curious about them then we end up less dissatisfied with how things we think things should be mm -hmm. right versus how they are does that make sense it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And it also, there are so many dog parallels there because I see problems with expectations on lots of levels with dog families. For example, a family may have just adopted a dog from a rescue organization. And because it's an adult dog, they may expect that the behavior is what they see is what they get. But there's a huge time for decompression for an animal who comes out of rescue before we really see who they are because they're, I mean, they're, we don't know what their experiences have been and they need consistency and they need to decompress from all of that stress. So we see it there. We also see it. I saw it with a client this morning who was really struggling because they got a puppy and they have two young children and they had a different expectation that we would all be one glorious, happy family, but the puppy is you know, it hurts the kids. Not on, I mean, it's not a bad puppy. It's a puppy though. And so the fact that he and his wife, she basically, the wife said to him that she feels like a single mom right now because the dad is spending a lot of time with the puppy and the wife is spending a lot of time with the children. And they're not able to have this family time together because they're trying very hard to prevent problems and to set everyone up for success. But the consequence of that is that they're not having the family harmony experience that they had hoped for. And so they're in this, um, in a cycle right now where they're doubting and they're questioning and um, they're trying to figure out if this is really what they want and if they really were ready for a puppy. And so I think that expectations, and it's hard to avoid having them. I mean, that's the thing, I wanna be straight. It, it's almost impossible to not have expectations because I know that I've been thinking about getting a new puppy and because I've been fostering a lot of puppies. And I, um, I certainly have a picture in my mind of what I want it to look like. And it's hard to then go through the real experience of just looking at what's there in front of me and not comparing that to the vision that I had. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I agree Absolutely. And the first thing that I try to just introduce is just the idea of awareness, just mm -hmm. being aware, like, oh, okay, I had a story about this. This mm -hmm. doesn't match what I was thinking, but that's okay. Because honestly, it's human. Mm -hmm. I'm, I call it, I'm humaning. Yeah, I like that. I'm no, I think right that's now. fair. I think that's fair. And it doesn't mean we're failing. I think that's important for us. It's important for me to like reflect. I like to reflect. I like to think of where I could do better. And then I sometimes have to pause and take a step back and say, you know what? I have to give myself some grace and think that I'm doing the best that I can in the moment with the tools that I've got. Right. One of the tools that I teach parents, I constantly tell them, I said, do an, I call it the evaluation. I said, but start with, all right, this situation happened and you can either beat yourself up for it or you can sit down and say, all right, what did I do well? What actually went well here? Because we always want to go to worse, like all the things, only see what you did wrong. So you start by saying, okay, what did I do well? And then, all right, where did it go off the rails? 
like, and what was I thinking? How did that unfold? How could I think differently? So it's like, what went wrong? And then what do I want to do differently next time? And it just helps get your brain from, stop you from spiraling and bring you back to being, to really saying, doing a full evaluation, using your prefrontal thinking part of your brain instead of being stuck in the spiral of everything wrong. Mm -hmm. and really evaluate so next time then you can prepare because you've thought about all right this worked i'll keep repeating that so many times we're like nothing worked right (laughs) throw it all out no this part was working so i'm going to keep that this part didn't work and here's what i'm going to do differently and this is what i'll try next time Mm -hmm. yeah i think that that's good i i know that some parents probably don't feel that they have the luxury of um, doing those replays in their head because they just are, have to have to stay up to speed with what's happening right now, right? It's hard yeah. to take the time to reflect. Do you have any tips on that? Well, part would be just realizing when, because honestly, it's the time that you're spiraling. Okay. Because when you're spiraling, you're just stuck and that is not effective either. So if you can catch yourself like, oh, Okay, there's the spiral. Now I'm just going to back up just a little bit. And it might be like when you're trying to go to sleep at night and you're lying there and you're just thinking about everything that went wrong. So it might be that moment in time, like, no, 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 let me just back up a little bit. What did I do right today? What went well today? Okay. And so it might be at that moment, but it's the, we spend more wasted time in real estate in our brain with all the pieces that are wrong. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when we do that, we're actually reinforced. There's the brain science behind it. We're reinforcing that behavior. So we're more likely to repeat the behavior that we don't want than what we do. Mm. And so is that why why mindfulness can be so practicing mindfulness can be so effective as a strategy for, you know, just living in a, in a less punitive self punitive way, like, because you're practicing because with dogs, for example, when you reward what you want repeated, you see it more often, right? Yes. Is that the same type of thing? Is that what you're yes. saying? So basically the way we have a part of our brain that is with judgment and shame, it shuts down. Judgment and shame literally shuts down the learning centers in our brain. But when we can notice, okay, what's going right and take that little moment and celebrate it, it actually turns on the learning centers and the motivation centers. So you're more likely to do it again. Mm. So it's really just becoming more present, like the mindfulness, becoming more present too, and paying attention, like, okay, that piece of like, what is going well? Can I, can I be more present to that? And not, because the mindfulness, you're actually paying attention, you become more of, of an observer and seeing what's going on up here, and then you can catch it more. I, I have a picture in my head right now, and it is going back to a podcast that I listened to with Brene Brown, and she talked about a marble jar. She was telling a story about her daughter and how she was able to overcome adversity by using this analogy, which I'll share, which is that every time something went well in her daughter's preschool, for example, or kindergarten, um, the teacher would put a marble in the jar, right? So it was a really clear visual cue. I like what you're doing. 
So here is this thing, this marble goes in the jar. And so quite quickly, you know, over a couple of weeks or whatever, the marble jar begins to fill up. And then if something really negative happens or there's a behavior that's really inappropriate, if the teacher takes a marble out of that jar and we want to be really sad about it, we can still look at the jar and see that it's still mostly full of positive experiences, right? And so I think with behavior, with dogs at least, and I, I use this analogy with my puppy families a lot because puppies in the beginning, they're in their socialization developmental window, we need to ensure that their life is filled with positive incidents that essentially fill their marble jar, right? That teach the puppy, I'm safe in the world, all is well. So that if something scary happens, like there's a thunderstorm or a siren, you know, a fire truck goes by, that if that is unpleasant for the dog, that the dog is still resilient because there are still lots of marbles in that jar. And so I literally was imagining as you were talking about what you just said in terms of um, identifying and naming the things that went well, I was imagining, you know, maybe for our families mutually that are feeling overwhelmed and that are really struggling with identifying that is to literally like the opposite of a swear jar, you know, where, <laughs> where we write on a little, maybe we have a bunch of blank pieces of paper or something. And we just throw like two words into a jar every day. Like here's one thing that went well today. Maybe even something we do at the dinner table where, you know, during family meal times were really important to me and my kids when, when my kids were little, that it was a time when we could come together and we would share what we called, um, uh, rainbows and storm clouds and what was the storm cloud today and what was your rainbow today and so maybe having a jar where you write down the rainbow and you throw it in there so that you can clearly identify it and then try to build on more rainbows in the future does that make yeah, any sense it does it does okay. and it's the same honestly I'd like when you said to like you build up those positive things and you want more positive it's the same thing with kids it, and we just want to have those positive things going on in their lives. And one of the tips that I keep telling parents all the time, when your kid does something well, high five them. Okay, they have, they've done studies on, and basically the high five is actually the single big, like kids do better with the high five than they do with telling them that they're doing a good job and praising them like that simple, not even say anything, just the simple high five because when you, it involves them in it too. When you high five someone, you're almost like, yeah, I did a good job, right? You're mm -hmm. celebrating yourself mm -hmm. it just when, versus someone just telling you, you did a good job. You are celebrating too. And there's something that kicks that up and makes them more motivated to repeat it, makes them more resilient when it's, they're having issues, keeps them coming back to work through it, same thing. So yeah, writing it down, high five too. Like, great job. That's really, really good. Okay, so one last area that I would love to chat with you about before we sign off is, has to do with developmental stages of kids, right? And supporting mm -hmm. parents who have babies, toddlers, you know, children and adolescents. And I don't know that I have a specific question here, but I the reason I'm asking this umbrella of a, of a topic of developmental stages is that you likely, and definitely I have, have clients that have children at all different stages of development and neurodiversity, by the way. So not just mm -hmm. 
you know, one type of kid. Right. Right. And so I think that we can face different challenges from a parenting perspective at different stages of development. Mm-hmm. Um, and if our kids are facing any adversity of any, of any sort, and if we are honestly, if the parents are facing any adversity of any sort as well. So I guess I'm just wondering if you have any advice about, you know, anything specific to different age groups, developmental stages, or, if it's just a matter of giving ourselves a little bit of grace, knowing that every stage is going to have its own unique challenges. Yes. I think grace does help. I also think the things that we tell ourselves help. And just, so let me give you an example. I had a, I was coaching a mom of three boys. Now when her oldest was three and getting out of bed consistently, she was all up like, I don't know how to keep him in bed. Like it was a big deal. And she didn't know how, but she was stuck in a place of, I don't know how to handle this. By the time her third son was there, she's like, oh, I know it's a stage that's going to pass. <laughs> so just that grace of like, because all kids develop differently. So even when you have an expectation that this is the stage, this is what they're supposed to be doing, your child may not be there yet. Mm. But mm-hmm. if you can just relax a little bit into the, okay, you know what? I know like the child, like I know they're good. They're, they will eventually potty train. They're not going to be wearing diapers when they're a senior. So it's okay. Like yeah. each thing they work through it. And when you are more calm about it, you handle it differently. Mm-hmm. And also the other piece that I tell parents is realize that honestly, I mean, for us, when we look in a mirror, the mirror is neutral. We get to decide either we look fabulous that day or, oh, my pants are getting a little tight, right? And, but the mirror's neutral. It's based on what we think. Mm-hmm. But our, we are the mirrors for our kids. Mm-hmm. So when we are reflecting back to them, this is a problem. We like, uh, we got to figure this out, right? That gets them worked up too. But if it's just like, no, 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 it's okay. We'll work through this. Mm. Uh, it's, I was thinking of my sister, um, her daughter is almost six and is having trouble sleeping, going to bed at night. And so she is struggling a lot because bedtime has turned into this like three hour ordeal and it involves a parent laying in bed with her, but they have another child that they have to parent, you know? And so do you have any, and, and the reason I mention this is not just from a parenting perspective, but some of these challenges are um, I don't want to say exponential, but they're aggravated, so to speak, when you also have a dog that um, is present. So for example, if you have a toddler that is getting out of bed and coming down the hall to your bedroom 16 times, but your dog is loose in your room and you're asleep, then we're, we have a point of potential danger and conflict, right? So that um, we not only need to set up some management systems, but we also have to teach our child to sleep, right? So it's this complicated factor of like, okay, I have to help you go to sleep and stay maybe in your room, but I also have to prevent my dog from having an unwanted interaction with the toddler because I'm asleep and I'm not watching either one of them, right? right. And then and then we're tired on top of that because of the sleep regression or whatever it is, right? 
So I guess, can we talk about maybe just that scenario as an example? I understand what you're saying about, I need to just understand this is where we're at right now and we'll get through it. But in the moment, I don't know how to get through it. Right. You know? And But when you are stuck in a place of, I don't know how to do this, yeah. you can't come up with any solutions. Okay. Your okay. brain has shut down completely. Okay. Okay. It's just like, honestly, how many times have you set your phone or your keys down and then you walk around saying, I can't find my phone. I can't find my keys. And then you get distracted and you turn around and they're on the table that you walked by five times. Yes. Right. Yep. Okay. We filtered that out because we were in a place of, I can't do this. Okay. So even like, I mean, there's so every kid is different. Every situation is different. I would say the main thing is to actually turn it to, okay. All right. How I'm, what can I do? How can I best handle this? What are some different things I can try? Can I try to set up boundaries of, you know, just being consistent? Like, okay, we need to stay in our bed. And when you get out of our bed, these are the consequences. Mm -hmm. And like, is it boundaries? Is it, I know when my daughter was little, to be honest with you, I bought a, she wouldn't stay in bed. It was driving me nuts. I told her I'm going to be mean mom tomorrow. I bought this huge, I don't remember what it was, but it was big. And I wrapped it and I put it on top of the refrigerator and she had to have sleep through the night for like three weeks before I would give it to her. <laughs> it's just that external motivation. Now, I don't know if, I mean, this is back. This is a long time ago. She's the one that's almost 19. So I don't know if that's approved of anymore or the best solution, but I know, you know what, that worked for me. Right. <laughs> and so at the time it was a solution that I came up with. Mm -hmm. Everything is a little different. And, but I would say tapping into your own wisdom mm -hmm. is the first place to start. Okay. And because when we think, I don't know how to handle this, I don't know what to do, like that just keeps us stuck. But if you ask a question, your brain will work to answer any question that you ask. Okay. And so if you ask a question like, and, and the other thing I love to do, I'm like, why is it so easy for me to do this? Mm. I just, I use questions all the time to support me. Why do I have so much? Why do I have, why do I have the time to get everything done today? <laughs> okay. That's one of mine that I'm using right now because it's just a particular busy time of year with graduation and this and like all those different things going on each morning. I'm like, okay, why do I have plenty of time today? Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think it's a good example of how even when you implement one idea, then other ideas come. So right. in the nighttime example that I gave with the dog and the toddler getting out of bed, even if we put a baby gate in the hallway to put one layer of protection to prevent that unwanted contact between dog and baby or dog right. and toddler, then I can relieve some of that parenting fear and stress that I have. And then I can possibly make more solutions and, right. you know, reward the behavior I want repeated, both from the dog and from the child say, Hey, you stayed in bed extra long tonight. High five. High five. Yeah. Good job. Good okay. Job. Yeah. All right. So I like that. It's just trusting in yourself that you do have some answers. Mm -hmm. That's the main piece is so much. We shut down our own wisdom all the time with, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. And so that's one of the first areas where I, I, I just keep going back to it because they look to me to have, I'm like, I'm not, I don't know your children. You know your kids better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. We have to get you to tap into your own wisdom. I think 
that's why the services that you and I provide are so important is that we validate and we empathize and then we try to empower them to take action, right? And that, you know, to know that you don't have to parent in a vacuum and you don't have to parent kids and dogs in a vacuum, that there is such a specialist like me in this weird niche that I pulled, you know, out of thin air, so to speak. I mean, it it was the perfect combination of my lifetime of experiences as a parent, as a teacher for 16 years and as a dog professional, right? I can, I can give you what you need. And if I can't, then I know who can, right? But I think it's, I think one of those things that, that can help parents is to leave the, I don't have any idea of what to do to, you know, I can talk to Mel or I can talk to Michelle or I can talk to Yeah, that's one of the solutions. Okay. That's one of the ideas. Like I can go to someone for help. Mm -hmm. So that's the piece. Like first stop thinking that Two, you know, just recognize like, okay, see one that comes up, but three, get help if you need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no shame. Because again, if we can build routines for people or build a mindset for people that they are capable and that they can make progress, then they will make more progress. Yes. Right. Absolutely. It's not tied to us. Like, and that's what really is my client. And they, they like, oh, thank you so much. You know, you changed my life. And I'm like, no, you changed your life. You did the work. Mm -hmm. You changed how you thought. You recognize the patterns. You did all the work. I was just here guiding you. Facilitating it, right? We facilitate it. We give them tools that they can choose to use or not. And hopefully they feel better as a consequence of that discussion. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. All right, Mel. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. I feel so grateful to you for spending the time with me today and for helping our people um, to just feel a little bit more empowered that they can sort of make decisions and shift from the anxiety and the command and demand, which I definitely used to do. And I'm trying to be more mindful about that. Yeah. Even though it still snuck up on me the other day, it's not gone all the time, but I'm making- I'm with you on that. Me too. Yeah. I mean, we're human. And that's another thing we can acknowledge is that, you know what, we can think about it and try to do better the next time. Exactly. Before we sign off, can you please tell people where they can find out more about you? Absolutely. So my website is Mel Pierce. It's M-E-L-P-E-I-R-C-E. It is backwards.com. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. that is my website. And out there, honestly, I have a place to sign up. I write articles weekly. So I am always writing about like how to help kids feel more safe and secure. <laughs> Interestingly enough, like how to raise more resilient kids. Um, so these are the types of things that I write about this week actually is on dealing with overwhelm. And so if you can sign up to get on my news list and you'll get all of those articles. And then I also run workshops. So for example, on June 28th, I am running a workshop on uh, parenting through anxiety. So that is the link for that is out on my workshop as well, or on my website. And then on Facebook, um, I gave you the links. I forget myself. Honestly. I'll put them. I'll put them in. The okay, the Facebook one video. and yes. Instagram. I'm melpierce.coach. Okay, so perfect. I'm out there too. And okay, yes, wonderful. 
Okay. Thank you so much, Mel. I really appreciate your time. Oh, you're so welcome. It was so nice to do this with you. Thank you. If you enjoy the Pooch Parenting Podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Also, don't miss www.safekidsanddogs.com if you are a parent with dogs and could use a little extra support. I would be happy to be on your team. Take care.